Marty, Marty Gay, how are you today? That's pretty musical. Well done. For a musician like, that, like you, that's musical. From a musician Music. like you, eh? Exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, doing good, chap. Doing good. Um, it has been such a nice day. Very lovely, very sunny, very shiny. Where we really both are, and really I've got has. blackout blinds. Oh, thank God for that! Trap, trap out the sun. That means dark. I can actually see him. That is well, true. That is true. Is that um, thank God for that? I'm not sure. You do what you got to do, and I have got a pop shield now. So I know patrons. We did a patron exclusively last week. We they, did. They've seen the pop shield. Yes. Look at us. We're going up in the world. Look, you going haven't got a cover world. on. I've nope. got some actual professional equipment. Yep. Come on. They're rocking. <laughs> yeah. I'm um, I'm basically going to source myself similar things that are necessary just to make that, uh, that podcast experience that bit more authentic. Um, who knows? I might even trim my beard. I don't know. What do you Ooh. think? What do you think, patrons? Do you think I should trim my beard? Your opinion is the only one that matters to me because anyone who's not spending money to listen to this is a waste of space. <laughs> um, so uh, just to let you know, that is what I think of you. Always but, humble, always humble and grateful. Oh, God, stay humble. Stay humble. Done. Hey, Damn. but we have got two new Patreons to thank. You know that, man. Naughty lads. Naughty, naughty. naughty we have got Dan Murphy. Yes. Big up the bro. He's my Big bro. Up. Legend. Love uh, him. Part of the John Murphy, Dan Murphy twin experience. Oh, legends. I love, love them. That. I love them both. They are, it's kind of strange. And this is only really going to pertain to you, me, and the Murphy brothers. But I'm going to say it anyway. I don't know the guys all that well. But every time I see them, they are the loveliest guys there, there has ever been. They're always super welcoming always want to talk like and their old man and their mum are really nice as well because i met them briefly when they came to see us play at the bottom list in bath uh, some yeah. time ago they're um, wonderful but they're always they're lovely lovely people really really big up the the murphy's class guys and when this is all over i think we should uh there will be no silly gooses we should all spend a bit of time together have a couple of jars maybe you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> People know what you're on about. They know yeah. what I'm saying. It's great. It's great to see that. And he's been sending me a lot of uh, 80s music, a lot of Peter Gabriel. Love um, Peter Gabriel. A lot of Madonna and Kate Bush. We've been talking about that a lot. But that's another thing I did this week uh, or last week. Um As some people might know, I was quite an avid skateboarder from about 11. Oh, this is cool. Actually. Even to yeah. about now, you know, I'm trying to fit in music and everything. Um and we're from Trowbridge. We put up a good skate scene, put our videos and stuff on YouTube. And it's kind of this infancy and having a good old time. And Jen Hamblin, who worked with two other people, um, they li- were, were liaising with the Trowbridge Museum. And we got asked if we wanted some of our stuff um, in an exhibition. So talking about our stories, what we've seen, what we've found. And Jen's very into... When, when lockdown happened, she was walking around Trowbridge and she's, she's quite obsessed with textures of things, how they look, how they've been weathered, what, why things are kind of um, broken and chipped and all these things. So she got to the skate park and you know, the more that she spoke to us and found out, I say us, the more she spoke to them, to Turkey, really, Dan and John and Ollie were really the three main instigators of this. 
Um, I met her and chatted to her at the actual exhibition. But, you know, when she walks down to town and sees like a, a little ledge that's on the side of a solicitor's, we might have a name for that, you know? Yeah. Uh, yes. Underneath underneath this bridge, uh, and there's like a flat bank. It's just like a bank like, like this, and you go up and do tricks. We call it Y-Bridge because we go there and we skate, and, you know, you get tricks, you go, oh, yeah, I did a very hill flip on Y-Bridge. But people walk past and they just think it's a place to, you know, put your dog, you know, walk around. Um, Chuck him up so, there on a, on a skateboard. Like exactly. That. There you go. YouTube celebrity. So <laughs> she was obsessed with that. And she got really into the culture. And she was like, oh, actually, this is way more nuanced. So uh, got to the exhibition. And um, it's also all about other things in Trebuchet too. So there's other people. There was this little girl who had found this big steel um bit of steel and it had all been weathered and all the dust and the rust it kind of looked really 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 cool um but we got there and there was a branch from the skate park and it had a shoe dangling in it so for us when we're at the skate park um and skateboarders they know the they know the horrible pain you have to go through that you have to get shoes like once every month and it sucks but you just do it so when they're ruined you got holes in them you tie up the laces you chuck them up in the tree just to signify like they're done. Uh, this is kind of different for everything across the world. Sometimes it's like gang members killing people. And they yeah, I was going to say, isn't, isn't that like a, like a, a note to, goodness me, isn't that like a symbol for, um, I, I heard it was something to do with territories as well. Yes. Um, gang territories, um, people who have been killed is another one. And I also heard, I don't know how true this is, a this was more of an urban legend, urban myth than anything, I think, from amongst my sort of schoolmates. Um, but there were some shoes caught up in a tree at the back of our school. And someone said, oh, that's basically if you're around here at nine o'clock at night um, and you're wearing an SBL uniform, which is where we went to, you're going to get beaten up um, because apparently, oh, I, do you know, I can't remember the whole story. Um, but what's more likely to be the case is some kids were out hanging out and just kind of chucked some shoes up there. I think that's more likely to be the story. But now, I want to interject and ask you, Marv. No, I don't, because you haven't got there yet, so I'm going to shut my <laughs> mouth. Carry on, my boy. Carry usually on. it's me doing the interjecting. It usually is. I'm getting very comfortable on this podcast, mate. Before you know it, you're going to be gone, old son. I'll tell you that. <laughs> Better buck up your ideas. I'm only joking. But if you'd like to that. apply for the role of Marv, yeah. um, become a patron. That's and, true. Um, you must be over 75 years old. Must be. Yeah. I can't be talking to no young'uns. Anyway, Marv, please please continue with your, your tale. I will. So, yes, like the intro of Fresh Prince of Bel-Air, it is not, especially around your parts, you know. You're born and raised in the playgrounds where you spent most of your days, and in, in as the car park was where I spent most of my youth. Here he goes, um, smoking, smoking them old J's. Oh, never smoking them J's, son. Never uh, smoking oh, them no, J's. no, no, no. I mean, that was right. look, I don't like it. There you go. He knows. People bit know of, they know. Bit of, bit of Will Smith there for you and his nice clean rap. There you go. So, yeah, that branch was there, and that symbolizes a lot. Um, my friend Rory McLean, he's a very, very excellent skateboarder. He wrote up a really good little piece that goes next to it. We had, uh, we've got like a little article a video article coming out in this thing called I Dabble, which is just all about Trowbridge skate scene and kind of a good little mini doc. Cause I wanted to, I was with Turkey, my friend, Dan Murphy, call him Turkey. 
uh, where we were going to try and do a big kind of documentary about it um, and get it shown and stuff. Cause I really like doing stuff like filmmaking and just, it's awesome, but time constraints, just wanted to get it done and all these things. So John did a really good eye dabble uh, edit, had all the good tricks on it and stuff. And there's a really nice big uh, collage at the back of the museum with all of these nice little like close-up shots of certain places in Trowbridge and nice little tricks that everyone's done. I'm in there with long hair and I'm doing a back so flip over a trolley from like a kicker. It's pretty cool. My friend Ollie took that. Um, it's on my Instagram, which is Afroloon. So A-F-R-A-L-U-N-E. Even I've got to like... Think about it. He's got to think about the spelling. Even I've got to think about it. I think, I think what we should do, I was, th- I was thinking about this earlier. We should get something behind us or like a little a little pop-up every now and again. If you would like to follow the 50 Ways Podcast, please comment now. I, I think um, we should. We should just pay someone to do it and inject it in the middle. Literally, mate. It would be so much easier. Um, what was I going to say? That's what I was going to say. So this, um, this um, what would you call it? This, this um, exhibition? Exhibition. That's the boy. That's the there word I was looking for. Yeah. Only said about four times. So don't worry about it. Uh, well, I don't listen when you speak, mate. I get four <sighs> Anyone wants to apply for the role of James Merritt <laughs> in their podcast? Karen. No one can replace me. No one. Um, no, it, um, it sounds very cool. It sounds very interesting. Um, and it's also uh, quite different. I don't think I've ever heard of anything of that ilk um, being exhibited at a museum before. Um, so I really like that because it's, it's history plus like local so it's local history and also it's not about old johnny rockers who in 1845 used to bring the barley up the field and used to feed the pigs it's it's like within living memory you know yeah i know so that's 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 cool that that's the case you know um what i was going to say is is there a website and are there photos available online of this particular exhibition or will there be or will there be a, like a video or maybe a little accompanying uh, mini documentary or something i feel like that would be quite cool like an accompany like where they interview you and stuff like that will there be anything like that is what i'm asking well obviously on my instagram i put up photos john murphy dan murphy uh, they've put up photos of that. They put up videos of Rory doing tricks because we were allowed to skate around the exhibition, which was quite cool. And then we were like, should we try some tricks? But you have to remember, it's like just like a big building that's quite spacious. So yeah. you're slamming a skateboard, it's making noise. I was being like the proper like mother of the group, being like, don't do that. You're going to scare everyone, but it's all fine. <laughs> and uh, Zach Dobson as well, who's an up and coming ripper. I think he subscribed to us on YouTube. Um, yes, I believe I saw that. He's great. He, he puts out so much little like skate clips and things. It's really nice to see him progress. So big ups to Zach. He was there. He did a nice kick flip in front of the video. Um, Very cool. There you go. And it's there till October. The thing that Jen Hamblin is in, is involved in is called Illuminate the Overlooked. I think if you put that into Instagram, it's there. So it'll probably be part of that. Obviously, Trowbridge Museum are working with it too. I know that it's kind of um, ever-expanding. Um, so they're going to get more stories of uh, people's time with Trowbridge or maybe more interviews with us and just kind of build up more things, change stuff in the exhibition. So maybe the documentary would be a great thing to do to add on to it. I, th- I think so, mate. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
and uh, also big up to Stowe, S-T-O-E. He's a very good graffiti artist. He does a lot of the artwork in at the skate park and he kind of dotted around. And that was nice to see him get like a good like... Bit of recognition. Um, recognition, yeah. Done. Yeah, because everyone's probably seen Absolutely. his tags, you know, but like the artwork he does is, is really, really cool. And even that culture, graffiti culture, which I'm not very well versed in, but because I'm a skateboarder, I guess I'm ingrained in that whole yeah. scene of it. It's, you know, it's, it's a yeah. part of it. Yeah, not looking at the whole scene, Jenny. That's not looking at the say. whole pie, Mez. So yes, it's very, it's very cool. It's very cool. And it makes you feel like, well, what's good is, is that I can look back at, I mean, I started skating in what, 2001, 2002? Again, the Murphys are going to, they have such a good knowledge of like yeah. every little detail, but basically you need 20 years of skating. It's, it's nice to actually go, this is what I can actually show people and show it in a productive way and yeah. a positive way. Yeah. That's very cool. Very, very cool. In fact, I have a little proposal for you, Marty. Oh, this is nice. I think what we should do, I think we should, I, I want to come and see this exhibition because it sounds very, very cool. Um, it sounds very interesting. And I, when I was growing up, I got in with a couple of the local lads who live near me and I bought a BMX and I was getting confident going over like little, little crappy little ramps and stuff. I was never any good at it, but I was getting confident. Uh, and then one day, I proper big like got a lot of speed up to go over a really small ramp, um, and I for some reason I lifted up and then went went back down like really really hard. Yeah, and I lost control of the front wheel, and I put my right leg down, and it twisted wrong, and I ended up pulling a ligament in my knee, um, and that completely ruined all of the confidence for me, even to this day now, like I don't, I, I can ride bicycles and stuff. Um, but my balance is terrible. Um, my, my coordination is actually quite good. It's not too bad, but, um, that whole incident. So when I met you and you were like, yeah, yeah I, I do a bit of skating like, um, Oh, I dabble. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, big time, big time. Um, it was really cool to actually know someone who could do tricks that I hadn't seen before. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and obviously coming from, I, I don't want to say the same culture, but a similar sort of like culture, isn't it? BMXing and skateboarding. There, there were a oh. couple of like correlations there. They're, oh, they're very, very intertwined. Very intertwined. Yeah. And the di- uh, when I was, so what, 2005 to 2012, let's say, <clears throat> um, it again it would depend on like with the shoe thing right where it would it would it would symbolize different things you yeah. go to different areas and different skate parks and different kind of crews or factions and they'd be like we hate the bmx's we hate them you know we're skateboarders we hate them but for us the skateboarding and the bmx were so intertwined we were best mates with them we go on skate trips filming trips with them all the time they could skate we could ride some bmx like it was just that back and forth yeah. and then yeah. then that evolved to skateboarders hating scooter kids and oh lord, <laughs> scooter kids are the worst thing to happen to skate parks ever. It's it's almost yeah. like it's like uh, I'd say scooter kids are like the singing competitions for music. We are yeah, just yeah, like yeah. you don't know anything. You don't know the etiquette. You don't put the time in. You don't put the effort in. You just get in the way all the time. And then yeah. when you lose, you cry to your mum. And I got to beat up your dad down a skate park. And he's like, oh. <laughs> his name, his name's, his name's John. He's exactly. 55, hates the wife, hates the missus, hates the kids, loves a bit of traffic, 
traffic warden, camera, police action, lights, <laughs> camera on a Sunday night before he's got to get up and tarmac the roads on the A3487. You have painted the most detailed picture there. I think I've we can't beat that. We can't beat that. I've got to do it, mate. Can't beat that. So yeah, the um, exhibition's great. It's on to yeah. October. I'll definitely pick you up and we'll, we'll go we down. We should do that. I think it'd be great to see. And many thanks to Jen Hamblin, the other two people that I'm sorry, I can't remember their names, but from Illuminate the Overlook and all Trebuchet Musician. Rubbish. Trebuchet Museum. Awesome. You should know them, mate. You should know should. their names. I, I remember and their, their names. Birth. I just can't remember them. And there their card go. details. Remember that, Mez. I remembered their names. I can't remember them. That is my quote. That was good, that. That was good, that. I enjoyed that. No, um, I think, I even think, and I'm going to ask our Patreon's um, opinions here. Well, let's interject just quickly because our, our newest Patreon, oh, yes. Henry Wheeler. Henry Wheeler. Now, gotta love Ooh. Henry Wheeler. Went to uni with him. He's in the same guitar course as us. I think he's the same age as me. So that was quite nice to have someone the same age. He's not I, that old, mate. Uh, Shut up. Okay, half the age as me. Um, he's not that old either. <laughs> Give him some credit. Bloody hell, bro, Denners. <laughs> he was... Uh, he is part of Shoot the Moon. He's a, he's a guitar player of that. Um, very, very fun band to watch live. Everyone has to go see them live. Um, just really funny. Always upbeat, always positive. And now he drives trucks. And what's great is we started this podcast and he, was, he would listen to the YouTube versions and be like, great podcast again. So funny. Like he'd give us... He'd always give us feedback. He'd DM us and give us like, this was great. This was great. And give us albums to like chuck in for like, this could be a good debut to listen to, or this could, this or this. And he's like, it makes my truck journeys just amazing, like great. I don't have to worry. And I just chuck them on. And he's always Love like, that. when's the next pod? When's the next pod? So now he sent us a really, really nice message. Uh, he says, Brent is always, may it never stop. And I said to him, we got to get, we have to at least get to 50 to, to yeah. get our namesake. Um, that's like a whole year. And oh, it's long, mate. It's long. It's going to be interesting. So he's now a Patreon. He's got all this added extra material. So hopefully then that will... I don't know. It's just nice to know that he's driving his truck and we're just yamming in his ear. Absolutely. That's, That's what I want to hear. <clears throat> the um, I just coughed for everyone there. And I'm going to cough off mic now. Professional. <clears throat> Affordable. 50 Ways Podcast. If you want to become a Patreon, we are on patreon ironically <laughs> if you want, want to become a patron rather we are on patreon we are called 50 ways podcast i'm not going to spell it out because i'm sure you know how to spell five zero ways podcast <laughs> um we are also on instagram facebook um uh, we're on spotify which is currently my only claim to fame and we are on podbean we are on apple podcasts we are also on youtube and as i said we're on patreon as well uh, the basic the basic tier is still £3 a month, I do believe. You get a lot of extra content. You get uncut episodes the day before they go out for everybody else. Because you're special. We love you. Um, so, yeah, if you'd like to uh, join Henry Wheeler and the Murphys in, you know, just appreciators of the finest content out there available, um, yeah, become one now. Stop what you're doing. Put down that plate of food. Put down that Xbox controller. Put down that musical instrument. Become a Patreon. Patron. Patreon. Patreon. Patron. I'm glad that I'm not the only one that actually has trouble with that. Yeah. Yeah. A so bit. that's really yeah, put yeah. me at ease there. 
what are we talking about today, me old cock-a-doodle-doo? Today <laughs> is going to be the day that Marv's going to giggle. He loves that. Look at him. Bless his little cock. Oh, you've got me. You've got me. It's been I've a while, it, friends. It's been a while. Yeah, we are going to do non-musician albums. So, so we're doing yours then, are we, today? Hey. hey. Well, you know, you know, it is what yeah. it is. Non-musician albums, you know, being a person of all trades is a good thing. You know, more specifically thinking about people that are actors, TV personalities, you know, chefs, I don't know, YouTubers, all these other people. And then they venture into doing music. A lot of these people are entrepreneurs. A lot of these people do a lot of different things. You know, having many strings to your bow. And, you know, when we're already known for something else, it'd be quite other, quite hard for other people to see it. You know, see you going, why are you in this why are you in this business? That's strange. You, you kind of belong over there. It's so easy to have that narrow mind of thinking of, well, I know you from this, so stay like this. Even though I might not, I only know your public persona. Um, I know nothing about the years previous, you know? Yeah, yeah. So I don't know whether you know about uh, Logan Paul and the Floyd Mayweather fight that just happened, Mes. I have heard that um, somebody I follow on Instagram um was basically like um it was so terrible that i even though i pirated it i felt like i was robbed <laughs> and i thought see i don't i don't keep up with boxing i've i've thought about watching it a couple of times um because who doesn't love two big burly men beating eight bales of shit out of each other i just love that however um when it's stuff that's like staged or I don't know. Big events. They're obviously big events. Like, yeah. um, was it McGregor versus Mayweather? Is that right? And obviously, McGregor's UFC. He's not a boxer, but the whole. I remember talking to our former bandmates Matt and Rob about this, and I was like, "Why is this such a big deal then?" And they explained it to me, and then they further explained that it doesn't really matter who wins and who loses because at the rate the the size of this fight. They're both coming out of it with millions anyway. And yeah. I was that that's kind of when I maybe checked out a little bit. I was kind of like, okay. It's not that I don't appreciate it. I used to love wrestling as a kid, as we've spoken about, and the whole purpose of that has got very little to do with actually besting your opponent. Um, most of it is scripted. Uh, obviously not all of it. Some things do happen, but um, yeah, I don't know, it's lost its sparkle somewhat, you know. Even even in 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 the nineties was probably what peak prime like great 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 stuff, um, but yeah so I am I am aware that it's at place and I am aware that a lot of people aren't happy about the way it went. No, I think it was sixteen quid to watch it on pay per view. Uh, again, I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of assume here. I think it was like an exhibition match. Um, yeah, bearing in mind that Logan Paul, for anyone who doesn't know, is a YouTuber, and Floyd on, Mayweather. Yeah, Floyd Mayweather is a professional boxer. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know what kind of got into Logan Paul, you know, being like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to become a boxer and just do all this. I think he had a fight before. Uh, I can't remember who it was with. I'm pretty sure it might've been like a non-boxer as well. I'm actually not too sure, but from what right. I can think, this is a second fight. So he's gone with Floyd Mayweather. It's painfully obvious it's painfully obvious they're on opposite ends of their like prominence and ability in boxing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, even Sky Sports knew this because 
I was listening to a Bill Burr podcast and he mentioned this and I went, oh, okay, typed into YouTube. The full fight is already on the YouTube on the Sky Sports channel about a day yeah. or two afterwards. And it everyone's is. like, I'm so glad I got a good night's sleep and woke up to this. You can tell it's bad that Sky Sports are like, this was terrible because they've already put it up there. It's just yeah. 40 minutes of yeah. them basically hugging and putting in jabs and it was so boring. Um, yeah, that's what I heard. So yeah, I mean, what convinced Logan Paul to suddenly start boxing why was this you know just because just because he i mean he's very famous youtuber you know um money fame success exposure that's what it kind of offers you just because you can ring people and ask them you know can i do this doesn't mean i'm going to go do deathmatch wrestling in japan or formula one racing you know <laughs> there's a bit more craft i think there's there are some things that i remember i think Stuart ryan said our one of our guitar teachers at bim we we're talking about certain guitar styles he's like you really need to be kind of lived and breathed it and been there yeah, yeah. and kind of grown up with all these things. Um, not that it's impossible, but, you know, those things really, really do help with the overall scheme of it. Of course. Um, and all I could think when you said about that is, Logan, can I stay off YouTube and go and fight Floyd Mayweather in a boxing ring? Yes, you can, Logan. What do you think, Mez, qualifies someone to be a musician or artist? or whatever name you want to call it. It's hard to define. And I'll open with that. It's hard to define. Um, I think you should define yourself in any way you want. I think there, it, there comes a time where you have to be realistic about things. For example, if we were still in the function band that we are currently in and we still weren't making any money, that's the point where you've got to be real with yourself and go, hmm, Maybe this isn't working out as much as I wanted it to. So, I mean, I, I think it's good to define yourself. It's good to be real with yourself. Um, the last I checked, the dictionary definition of professional musician is one that practices music as a profession. So you're earning money from being a musician. But obviously, that's a point of contention because we both worked with people in the past who are what we call not professional. And that does not mean they are not earning money from music. That means despite earning money from music, they are not practicing um, the, um, the way they play it, the way they do this, the way they present themselves in a manner to which a professional musician should. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think it's different levels. It's different degrees. I think it's, as I said, important to define yourself. It's important to compare yourself to no one. It's fun to do that, but it becomes less fun when you start pulling names out of the hat, like Paul McCartney, like the Beatles, because then it's like, by the time they were all my age, they had a lot of the old spanduli because they were very successful, and I'm not. But different world, different human being, different musician. Um, much more of a legend, I've heard. Uh, won't touch heroin. Yeah. Won't touch heroin, though. Sorry, John Lennon. Not for me, son. I like having a bit of the old junk in the trunk, you know what I mean? Um, <laughs> the big old booty. And you'll never see a chubby smackhead. So, no, I think it, um, I think it entirely depends on your definition. Of course it does. I think, obviously, different people's views as well. So, for example, um, I have met people before in the past 
um, who only recognized me actually being employed when I started to teach guitar online. Um, despite the fact I earned so much more from weddings and I was earning so much more from weddings at that point, they were still kind of like, heard you got a proper job now then James <laughs> I'm just kind of like so me paying my bills isn't a proper job but you know I don't get offended by stuff like that because it tends to be people from a different generation it tends to be people who were brought up in a different world you know and for them music music is a nice yeah, so that's a nice thing to have on in the background isn't it but it's not as real as it is for me and you um, so I think you, I think you could define a professional musician as to what you'd like to. However, I also think it is important to keep grounded and be aware of your surroundings because you could play one wedding, earn a hundred pounds, and go, "I'm a pro musician." Yes, and it's like, well, you did a great job, and props because we've all been there. We've all done that first gig and earned that first bit of money. That is actually money. It's not five quid. You know mm. what I mean? It's not a not a crate of beers. But just be aware that um like so for example, currently I'm a professional cleaner. You're a professional um loader, I think is your job title, isn't it? Currently. I unload trucks right now. Unloader then. So yeah, that is um or pallet operator. That's another way of looking Ooh, at it. That's true. Or clean yeah. film rapper as well got that Cling film rapper i believe it's called shrink wrap marv it's called well, you're not, you've been in your job thing is longer mate, than not, i ever you're not you're not in the business you're not in the business of uh, not Frank. in the business yeah. okay kids exactly so but you know, um yeah i that's that's kind of my thoughts on that hopefully i didn't tangent too much and hopefully i didn't lose with everyone with that but then i expect this will get cut so hello future marv please leave all this in for the patrons because they'll enjoy it <laughs> <laughs> And the burp as well. No, I liked it too. I thought it was very well summed up. Exactly. Yeah. What really does qualify someone to be a mus- musician or artist. Um, it's kind of hard to define, isn't it, really? I think it fluctuates. It is. But, it is. Um, and then if I was to ask you this, I'll ask you one more before I get into my pick, um, unless you want to go first. Uh, don't mind. I'm very interested about yours. So actually... I'm going to go first then. Um, yeah. What other things in your life do you do besides music that you identify with your being that you would go, you know, I'm a musician, I play guitar, you know, but I also do this. I am also this. I am also this. For me, I'm also, I'm a professional musician. I'm a musician, but I'm also a skateboarder. Like that would just be with me. That is who I am as a being. They're so intertwined and connected. But what would, what do I also have? Um, Quite like chicken and chips. If that's a, so you're saying you're a chicken and chips connoisseur. Connoisseur. No. Um, I play airsoft when I can. Little plastic BB guns. Not because I like to play army soldiers, but because I get to shoot old fat men, and it's funny. <laughs> um, in the woods, when they're wearing full army surplus, and I'm just in jeans and a t-shirt. It's quite entertaining. In fact, I, I wa- once watched a comedian talk about how people hunt deer. And how they need to get all the gear, the camouflage, and an actual like gun that will kill them properly and stuff. And he was like, "Why don't people hunt cows? Think about it. They're sat in the field. You could do it in your lunch break from work, t-shirt and jeans, two-two rifle. Wouldn't even have to think about it. Just a, 
he's not running anywhere, is he? It's a cow. Um, yeah, I quite like Airsoft. I also quite like. What else do I like? Let's think about. I mean, do you do you collect anything? Like, I'm I'm thinking more the fact of you know some if you know let's say I don't know you're introducing yourself to like a new client uh, or just a new person. They go, what do you do? And like, what are your things that you like doing? And you you would you'd be more than happy to bring them forward to someone, you know, if they just, if they, if you went, oh, I'm a, I'm a musician, I like playing music, go, what else do you like in your life? And that's what, what then in your head would you go, I'm going to say this to this person because I'm confident about it. It's actually really hard to say. Um, is it just, again, I think it's completely fine to have one thing. If musician is your being, that's what you feel like doing. I think that's completely fine. I mean, no, I, I I do a lot of things. I do do a lot of the hard do do. I do a lot of things, and it's it's just kind of nothing's coming to me right now. I quite like having a nice relaxing space. I quite like a beer on an evening. Um, sometimes I like games, mobile games. Why didn't I say that? Well, yeah, you okay. like playing. You like playing video games. People, people of Patreon, Spotify, whatever you're listening to. My thing is mobile games. And at the moment, I haven't downloaded one for a while. So if anyone's got any suggestions, hit me up. By a while, I mean a month. Um, yeah, I really like mobile games. I do have an Xbox. Um, I will be buying a PS1. And um, yeah, I just I like cool stuff. I love horror films. Horror, in fact, I'm sure you can see we do have... There you go. So you say you're a bit of a movie buff. No, not a movie buff. I just enjoy old horror movies, really. I think that's good as well. I think that's that's a good thing to say. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Fruitly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay. So we're going to get into this. Um, also, shout out to our Patreon, longtime Patreon, Jack Sharp. He broke his wrist the other day. Doing Did he really? Yeah, he was skating warmly skate park and he broke his wrist. Uh, a broken compression factor or something. But he reckons about Good a month, Lord. a month to six weeks recovery time. So rest up, kid. Enjoy this podcast. Hope it heals up. And Merritt will give you a big sloppy kiss when he next sees you. I will sign your cast, Jack Sharp, in blood. Oh, that's taken a doctor. Yes, yes, it has. Um, yeah, I hope you get well soon, buddy. Um, didn't know about that. Thanks for telling me. Um, <laughs> but he loves me more than you, so. I don't blame him. I don't blame him. He can't love what he doesn't understand. So anyway, on to the show. <laughs> on to the show. Okay, so my pick for the non-musician album for me was a very easy one, and I was very interested for this. So it's called My Teenage Dream Ended by Farah Abraham. came out August 1st, 2012. So... Farrah Abraham, she came to pro public prominence when she appeared on the second episode of MTV 16 and Pregnant. Um, and her relationship there, not relationship, her story is a very, very sad one there. Um, she had a very rocky on-off relationship with her boyfriend at the time who she was having the baby with, Derek Underwood. Um, he was never directly told by Farrah that the baby was his. Um, because he was quite abusive to her in messages, um, I think... Again, I'm going to, I couldn't find the episode to watch. I find little clips, but um, I think she did this to kind of not tell him because he was being so abusive. So he never directly got told by her, this is your baby. Um, and then her mother was also 
very, very bad towards her. So she, her mother didn't want her to have the kid, wanted you know, to know, to get rid of it. Uh, I think, I don't know if it was the same argument, but her mother ended up strangling her. Um, I don't know if this is while pregnant. I'm pretty sure this is while pregnant. So, you know, <clears throat> physical abuse there from your mum, not great. And then two months before um, her baby Sophia was born, Derek Underwood dies in a car crash and he's only 18. <clears throat> so this is all being filmed as well for MTV. So not, you know, that's all the, the other added strain. Now they didn't include Derek's death in the show and she has the baby. She goes on to do Teen Mum as well, um, which is like a spin-off series. I watched Teen, I think I watched the first episode of Teen Mum 2 the other day. And <clears throat> again, it's just a classic to me, trash TV that you can just watch on a lazy Sunday. Um, you know, it's just weird to think this is real life. This is people's real life struggles and people do this. I know people that have had babies at a young age and it's, you know, that stuff is hard. Even thinking about, even if you're a single mum, how the hell do you even go to the toilet or have a shower when you've got a little infant there? We don't know about that. So anyways, so she went on to start on Team Mum, Team MOG. Uh, recent years, she's been an active YouTuber and uh, she's also been in the adult film industry. She's kind of done things of that that have been infamous um, and a bit what's the word controversial um which kind of led to her leaving the team mum og series it was a bit of a kind of bit of like well you can't really do adult film work and be on this thing so she in this time she wrote a book accompanied it with this album so they came out about two weeks i think the album came out first and the book two weeks later and she's been on tv and she's being a star you know so she's already got three types of media here all revolved around this one thing pretty good for someone who i think at this time was about 20 years old um and the song titles are all named after chapters in the book um surprisingly the book was actually critically praised i think it got to number 11 in the new york best-selling times list whatever it's called new york times bestseller and the album gets so much hate so much hate i think i think if you type in like the worst albums of all time on wikipedia it's like in that list it's very much a lot of reviews saying it's unlistenable. Like, what is this? But then on the other side of the spectrum, it gets very much praised by people saying that it's, it's an example of outsider music, which is what we're talking about. People that have no um, knowledge of the music industry. They don't class themselves as musicians, but they make art, they make music, um, which I guess then becomes part of the industry. Um, and people saying that it's like avant-garde, outside of rock and it's all these things and it's inspired and influenced other artists and other artists now have gone yeah this album kind of inspired me very very strange very very strange so yeah why does it get so much hate but the book doesn't you know that's very very i don't get it i don't get it and they're pretty much all about the same thing so you know we're talking about stuff like depression you know the death of the father of your kid a lot of drug and alcohol issues and abuse around there violence it's all there and this it's very very raw and very very you know, uh, real so how this album came about mess so abraham met this guy called frederick m cuevas on the set of 16 and pregnant team mum he was doing the adr stuff so he was assisting in the voiceovers that she would have to do for the series um and then she showed him a song called cinema by benny benassi she was like i like this can you make me a song like this and they kind of talked about making an album and he's never ever done 
production on a you know an album size before and i think he's dabbled in music but he just was always doing his adr work voiceover work and eventually started talking you know and she was like yeah i'm gonna do an album can you produce the whole thing and he's kind of like uh yeah okay so he makes all these songs makes all these beats sends them over to Farrah and she's she's approving which ones she likes and then she's assigning what songs are going to be to what lyrics it's all there right pretty normal you know what i'm saying mess you agree yeah absolutely so you know time to go to the studio isn't it you would set up you know let's have a look you're gonna you're gonna, you're gonna lay the vocals down right you're gonna get your musical workstation all set up you know pro tools logic what are you gonna do tape Microphones at a good level, you know, it's kind of sound right. You see little bars and that there. You've got the playback of the music in your headphones because you need that, right? You need that to kind of know where you're going to sing and beam key and all that stuff. So she did the first two, did the first two. So she recorded all of her lyrics, all of her vocals to just a click track for the whole album. Bearing in mind, she knows she's listened to the beats, listened to the songs, chosen which ones for which song. But when she's got there to record, she's gone, I don't want to hear the music. She's just had a click track, which is a metronome. Um, it just keeps you in time. People who don't know what that is. It doesn't give you any notes to keep you in a certain key, a home note. So she's not a trained singer. She's not a professional musician. She is going in there with diary entries that are very raw, very, very honest and true with this other guy that she's slowly getting to know even more and opening up apparently these sessions. He's never done an album like this on this scale. And she's gone, just give me the click track. So interesting to say the least, Mez. Interesting to say the least. Um, yes, absolutely. Yes. So what this meant was that Cuevas had to <clears throat> get the vocal tracks, bearing in mind that she's not going to know how long certain structures are and whatnot. He has to get the certain bits of the music and then copy and paste it on to the tracks and kind of make them sound in the structure. Then you've got to tackle... How do I get everything to stay in tune and become melody? Because what it sounds like to me through the album is that, uh, that most of it almost sounds just like normal talking and that he's put the auto tune on to kind of guide this around. There might be some singing passages as well. Obviously, when you go to the studio, you know, the classic 99% of the time people sing, you get Melodyne software, which is just auto tune. Again, we're just going to say auto tune now. People who know the George Strait episode, episode, where it was the live albums episode we did, um, it's a program that helps take a flat note or a sharp note or a note that you don't want and you can change it. It can sound really good. It can sound crazy. It can sound terrible. It can sound very manipulated. Um, so really you had to do that with every one of these songs, but you know, he hasn't got an unlimited amount of time. He hasn't got an unlimited amount of money. And he didn't, if you were thinking 2017 for five years after answering all these questions, he was just there like, I had to just, you know, piece it together. Hopefully it worked, get the auto tune. And, you know, do whatever, do whatever. So he was did what he was told. And he was so embarrassed as this was going on. He was like, this is so embarrassing. All I want to do is just get this done, get it out. Do not put my name to it. He kept saying like, can you just put it out and not me have not, me not be associated with it? Because these kind of things can get you kind of blacklisted, you know, from certain things. People can go, you, you worked on that record. You produced that whole thing. See you later, mate. We're not going to bother. You know, so he was worried about his job, his career. Um, and you can listen to this and yeah, you can understand why. Cause it's, it's unlike anything you've ever heard, Mez. It's unlike anything you've ever heard. Oh, I know boy. He knows. Let me just talk about the auto tune very quickly. So let's have a look then. 
pretty i'd say pretty much the whole thing i think all of it is auto-tuned i don't think there's i think there's maybe certain certain bits that aren't might just be talking but this was a choice that abraham did so Barrett abraham definitely i would assume from what i've seen in interviews now and before she does what she wants you know she's she's an entrepreneur she's made a name she's done all these different business ventures she wants to do what she wants to do so she wanted the music to sound edgy and contemporary so she wanted the auto-tune to be very much aggressive. So like we were talking about in the George Strait episode or the album, Cowboy Rides Away, where we were going, who signed off on this? Who signed off on this auto-tune? I, I don't get it. Here we have an answer. The singer herself has just gone, just whack it on. So it's crazy amount of levels. So what Quavers had to do really is go like, okay, so she should be singing the note C here, for example but she's very far away from it. So I just need to kind of manipulate up to that. But, you know, this software has to take natural noise and try and basically make it computer generated and it can sound crazy. And some of the note choices he couldn't even get to because it just wouldn't work. The, the, the software just wouldn't be able to manipulate in that way. So that's why you get these crazy weird sounds that might sound out of place. But like he says in the interview, they're not out of tune. They just might not be the note that you expect. Um, I want to dub it fairer tune because I think it's so extreme. You know, the T-Pain, the George Strait levels of auto-tune, to me at least, um, it has their voice as a character, right? It's in there majority-wise. Then you have the auto-tune, which is quite a lot. It's in there. Share starts to kind of tip the scales. But I would still say, this is with Believe, obviously, that <clears throat> it's still Share. This Farrah Abraham one, it's like she's lost in the auto-tune. The auto-tune is the main vocal. It's so weird. It's so weird. It just takes the biscuits, like I said here. So let me read you some of the songs here. So the phone call that changed my life. Now, that's your typical EDM dubstep sound um, that you'd expect in 2012. Uh, we get the same Rhodes piano chord loop throughout, kicks and snares that don't punch and hit your ears. Very, very flat production. But I do like that it doesn't end on the home chord. I think that's quite refreshing. It kind of leaves you in a kind of unresolved thing. And that's the problem with all the music as well, is it's very flat. It's very lifeless. It's nothing to write home about. At times there's like distorted, the bass guitar that comes in on a certain song, which I will talk about, starts distorting the whole song, the whole mix. And it's just awful. It's just awful. It shouldn't happen. That's usually something that it sounds like, you know, someone who's just started getting into production or beats or music making is, does all these mistakes because there's so many different levels that you try to learn and you get experience with things. But, oh, it's just weird. After prom, you know, you got to love that slightly detuned synth that was kind of all around pop music in about 2009 to 2014. Um, another song, Flat Production. You know, it's our first instance of the auto-tuned melody here. Um, give us the wrong notes. And like I explained. So we could go down the path of this like polytonality here. So <clears throat> there's a really good video by Adam Neely where it became like a, I guess like a meme, didn't it? Like a YouTube kind of meme of like Toto Africa, um, all music in the same key, like vocals up a half step. So what you're actually happening here is that you get two bits of music which are playing in two different keys at the same time. And it can sound very, very jarring and very dissonant but then there can be some like nice passages where it really works. And you get these things like outside notes or extensions, like, you know, more jazzier kind of notes or whatever you want to say, more refined, sophisticated, but 
yeah, I mean, you can kind of, you, you could say like, you know, the auto tune is done to like symbolize her pain. It's symbolize, you know, that she wasn't, she didn't feel human when she was going through all these things, but then you're just attaching so much meaning to something where it's like, no, she just wanted to put auto tune on it and she just turned it all the way up. You know what I mean? And she had full control. If there was a production team that was like, no, we're going to handle all this. We've got the time and the energy. You sing to the track because that's what you do. Then we'll put stuff on later, but maybe a little bit. It might have come out with kind of a meh kind of album, you know, because this is the problem with like, especially TV personalities. They're always, you know, cover songs, they're boring. Even though the production's very, very squeaky and shiny, you know, and no doubt on paper, much better than this. They're very, very forgettable. At least with this album, you, you remember it. You remember it. It's like nothing you never, ever heard before. Um, let's have a look. I'll give you a couple bit more of it. So, so when he was trying to grab the notes to work with the melody. So a good example here uh, is the tritone interval, which is called the devil's interval at the start of unplanned parenthood, um, which makes you unsettled. It grabs your attention because it's very, that is one of the most dissonant notes, dissonant intervals that you could uh, sing. Um, and we could play the sophisticated card. You know, this, this interval mirrors the unsettled nature of Abraham finding out she was pregnant. You know, this, you know, you could definitely go down that route. I think it does work, but you can't put that, you can't put that meaning onto it. It's very, very hard. Caught in the act, certainly the oddest lyrical performance here with this wild auto-tune, the speeding up and slowing down of her voice, pretending to be different characters. Um, it's essentially her getting caught having sex at her parents' house. Um you know, we're, we're talking about a 16, 17 year old girl who's reading from her diaries. So that's pretty much all you're getting. Uh, the song doesn't resolve, it ends like an interlude, which is very jarring. It doesn't get off the ground. Um, without this ring is the poppiest sound to it. Um, this is the one with the distorted bass, which, which distorts the whole song. Very, very criminal there. It's very early Paramore, Avril Lavigne, Kelly Clarkson vibe to it, especially with its kind of real, more real instruments. To it. And I was getting a lot of like a Paramore vibe throughout it all, but um, yeah, it's just, it's just strange. It kind of reminds you of certain things and it doesn't remind you of things. Um, liar, liar. So you stood there, your pants on fire. That is the, uh, that is the line there, philosophical. We got, we got a harmony and the guitar line, the intro, the guitar riff is very complimentary, but it doesn't develop at all and it loses its charm. We also get things like, weird edits where you can hear the loop has started again or it's changed there's one song where i think i think it was that one actually without this ring where you can hear the two different kind of uh, musical bits stitched together um it just it just screams like amateurish it screams amateurish um but you know there are two good songs on here so searching for closure great intro the piano line with the drums mimicking a heartbeat the lyrics deal with not knowing how to deal with um, you know, her boyfriend's death. Um, I love you. We're finally at peace. I think that's like a nice kind of thing. Um, this song really hits the nail on the head for the emotionally charged themes behind this album. It feels sincere, mature. It shows focus and care put into the track and the music and the lyrics share the same emotion. So I remember this track that Cueva said to her, like, you got all this dubstep and new music, but you're really talking about kind of really, really dark things and really emotional things. So let me write one that's a bit more of a ballad. And this is where his input worked, which does make you think if he had more of an input and maybe if he cared at the time, maybe we would have come up with a better product, but then we wouldn't be sat here talking about it now. 
Um, and on my own, so this is my favorite one. It sounds like mid-tempo Aphex Twin songs, like Finger Bib or Alberta Balsam. Um, that comparison alone should give this album some hipster credibility. And, you know, this album does have some hipster credibility. Um, some reviewers say it's outside of music and they make comparisons to like the story of Britney Spears, what she was going through in her middle period of shaving her head, having a meltdown. Um, you know, it's, it's clear to see that Abraham's had some significant trauma during this time, you know, getting pregnant at 16 and your mum strangling you and the father of your baby dying and ill being on camera and being in the media in the spotlight. It's, it, I, you don't even know where to start. Your, your brain must be everywhere. And then having a baby to care for. So for her to come out of it and make a book that accompanies this album and she made goes on TV and she's making business ventures and has made something beautiful and made, she made a living and a career out of this thing, I think should really be appreciated and really be respected from her. Um, yeah, before I get onto my kind of next points, Mez, I mean, did you listen to the album? Did you kind of got any thoughts? You got any overriding things of it? So um, I didn't listen to all of this album. I listened to six tracks. And uh, not in the order I should have. Uh, it was only halfway through that I realized that my Spotify was on shuffle. And I was like, oh, okay. But six tracks, nonetheless. I listened to The Phone Call That Changed My Life, Liar Liar, The Sunshine State, Searching for Closure, Without This Ring, and Unplanned Parenthood. Um, when I listened to it, I was tired. <laughs> and I was doing something else. But I really feel like there is a dark quality to this album. There is a dark undertone. Something's going on, and it was triggering like a bit of a response in my head. Like, not I'm, I'm not traumatized by it, but there was something in it that I was like, this is not what I expected at all. To me, the album cover does not reflect what the album sounds like at all. Um, even to... to I had this kind of weird thing where I was like, the song titles don't reflect how dark the quality of these songs have. Um, but, but, because they're titled in such a way that it's like stuff that you will you would hear of happening, that kind of lends to the darkness of it as well. You know? Because it's, it can be seen as amateurish, because you can hear quite clearly this person's not a singer, she's not a musician, the producer doesn't have all of the cutlery for the picnic. I don't know, there's a weird mix going on here, and it's it's dark. I genuinely believe this is a dark album. Um, she'd agree with me, because obviously all of these songs are about life experiences she's had, and all of them not very good. But, yeah, I mean, what more, more can I say than that? It just, there, there is a dark quality to it. And it's, all, it's, it's almost like horror, horror film vibe in a way. There's, it's like... Bit, no, I... The I, juxtaposition. I, I agree. I agree. Go on, carry on. Sorry. Yeah, the, the only juxtaposition I can find is the album cover with the songs. Because, I mean, looking at it, it's obviously her with her daughter, isn't it? Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah. 
and you've got pink writing. They're both smiling. Um, it looks a little bit Microsoft painty, actually. But, Very much so. Yeah, but it's not reflecting what that album sounds like to me at all. Um, which is why we are going to have to come up with the question. Is she a musical genius or was that by complete accident? Well, if you delve into that question, because that then goes into the Adorno theory, which obviously we can only hear in one kind of way. Um, the Adorno theory basically is that, you know, you could swap out Farrah Abraham for anybody else and they'd be considered the genius. It seemed like Adele, you could swap them out for anybody else. Uh, it's a bit more nuanced than that. Um, but you know, what is genius and can geniuses make happy accidents to make these kind of things? We know that, you know, <clears throat> if we just stick to music that we've definitely played things where we've gone, oh, that was wrong. Wait a minute, that works. We're meant to be doing this set of formula for going to get in this specific sound, but, oh, actually I dropped my amp. I dropped my amp down the stairs and actually sounds really good. The, the kinks, you know, getting the kind of distorted sound they had, slashing the, the the speaker cone, and it sounds really good. And you're like, that's not what you're meant to do. So I think, yeah, Mez, it's, it's, it sounds like a lot of this album is by accident. I think the things of she wanted to make an album. Okay, fair enough. She wanted, she, she listened to the songs and approved what music was. Okay, that's true. She didn't want to listen to them while she was recording them. Okay. But she didn't know what sort of sound that would have made. She's not like aware of that going like, okay, this is going to mean that my voice is out of key. And that means I have to like grit it to the computer and mi mix it around. So I'm going to have to do these sets of things. She doesn't have like the, um, the next step of her plans when she's doing things. Obviously Quavas probably does. Um, so that does come up with interesting results. I think that if she tried to make this again, it wouldn't be the same. I think that no one else would have would make an album in this way. So in a way, it's like really hard to, she has her own sound. And I agree with you, Mess. It's very, very dark. That's so good. It's almost like it's like music for like a digital horror film, you know, horror for the digital new age. Um and then if you look at the album cover, so yeah, it's very Microsoft wordy. It's very low grade, low, low, whatever, low quality. But really think about it. She's smiling. Her daughter's smiling. My teenage dream ended. Think about being her daughter and you're growing up and your mum's titled her book and her album, which is, got, is about you. And she's going, my teenage dream ended. And that is you, isn't it? Really? That is, that is the daughter. She's the reason why that teenage dream ended. So even then that has a kind of moral implication there and a darker implication there that you think this, this girl who's, you know, she's now in this world. Good. But she's almost at fault. She's the reason why Farrah's teenage dream ended and that the reason why her life's gone the way it is. Um, so yeah, I think genius is a really hard thing to define because it's what you're using as the criteria. Is she the next Brian Wilson? No. Does she want to be Brian Wilson? No. Does she know who Brian Wilson is? Maybe not. Maybe that's the reason why it works. Maybe that one thing of 
she knew who Brian Wilson was and would sit down to listen to music for six months to then make an album, we wouldn't get this. I want to be Brian Wilson. It's it's that primal sort of the way it takes you in, you know? And that's how I feel with this album. The way it took me in, I was not expecting what I heard. Um, obviously, we all have preconceived notions as to what we're going to hear. And I think it's interesting to keep a hold of them so you can compare how you feel after the listening, during the listening, and before. Um, but I really did not know what to expect, but it certainly wasn't that. I absolutely agree with you. It is almost like music for a modern horror film for the digital world we're now in. Um, but I also think it's not bad. I think it is to taste a lot, a lot to taste, but I don't hate it. I wouldn't sit down of an evening and relax to it. But there's something in my brain going, go and listen to that again. Almost like a make sure you heard what you heard, that kind of thing, you know? It's almost like, it's going to sound bad. It's almost like a car crash, right? You're going down the motorway, traffic slow, right? There's traffic everywhere. And there's a car crash up ahead on the left. Now, you know you shouldn't be looking at that. You, your brain's saying, don't look at that. You don't need to see that. You don't know what you're going to see. But your eyes are going, I absolutely must. I must look at this. You can't look away, but you really want to look away. It's almost like that. But i that sounds like I'm being really harsh. I'm just talking about the, the, the way your brain's processing it, or the way my brain did. More so than the actual, this album's a car crash. Ha, ha, ha. It's... The, I don't know, it's the same kind of thing. Like I said, I def- definitely did not expect what I heard. And I think for that alone, she's already achieved something. Because I can imagine, like, when they announced it and did the marketing, I can very much imagine, the whole, oh, here we go then, a Britney wannabe. Oh, another one of these, here we go. And whether or not it's bad or good, um... That's by the by. She shot them down. And do you know what? If I'd have released an album like that, you know, whether it's considered bad or good or whatever, shooting people's expectations away sometimes is just as good as releasing a good album. I, I, I'd argue anyway, certainly. Yeah. Because it's, I don't know, it's just kind of nice, isn't it? It's almost like we were talking about the whole John Lennon thing with um, uh, Cold Turkey how it's super raw, super, super raw. And that's good because he's never going to express himself that literally ever again. And I feel like this is the same deal because, again, she didn't let the music influence what she was doing vocally on that album. She didn't hear it. Well, she did, but she didn't record to it. And there's a big difference, as our musician listeners will know, there's a big difference between listening to something and recording to it. Um, Again, preconceived notions. Oh, I could put that there. You play it. No, I can't put that there. But she didn't let that influence it. She just recorded. She just recorded. She had a click on. That was it. Um, Again, yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, there are points where it's like, yeah, this is very amateur. 
you can hear it. There are some, there are a lot of sort of denotations where you're like, yeah, I would have done that when I was 16 as well, mate. Um, but honestly, I don't want to insult this album. I honestly do not think it deserves being insulted. But at the same time, I'm I'm not like going to sit here and defend it either. I'm just telling you what I think, and that is why you listen to the Fifty Ways podcast, and that is why we do it. Um, yeah, that's my thoughts. It's just kind of like this is weird, but also it's not four chord pop. Um, with a really obvious structure and arrangement and instrument. It, you know what I mean? It's not really obvious. It's something different. Um, so yeah, I've got to give her props for that. It wasn't what I, it wasn't what I was expecting. It unsettled me. Um, give me that quote about art, Marv. I think we spoke about it the other week where it's like, um, art should um, comfort the disturbed and disturb the comfortable. I yeah. love that quote. I think that's I think that's re- like one of the best quotes you can hear. Yeah. Um. So it does that. It it not that I'm comfortable, but it disturbed me a little bit. You know, I was a little bit like, whoa, Jesus! Like, I didn't want to jump in that hard. You know. And I can imagine it shot away quite a few naysayers. Oh, here we go again. Four chord pop. Bored of this now. When's the When's the other six albums of the exact same content coming? Whether you like it or not, she didn't do that. Yeah, exa- exactly. And this, this you know, connects to my point of think of the end. Well, the countless amount of celebrities and her kind of status here, her kind of list, B list, A list, whatever, um, that have done albums. And you just go, oh, they, did they? Oh, oh, it's all covers. Yeah, oh, it's son of a preacher man again. Oh, great! I don't want to hear that. Like, it's it's definitely not that. And again, this you know your your, your analogy with the car crash or the accident, all these things like people like to know about news and know about these things and what's going on. And it's an intriguing story, especially if it's an intriguing story. And the fact that, you know, if you're around uh, watching team mum and you've read the book and then this, and then this album comes out, you've got all these things to kind of piece together and it all starts to make sense. And what I also like is that was never boring this is what's good about this album. No, Never boring. No, not one. Never boring. Like the demographic should be young teens to old teen girls. And they must sit down to listen to this. And then they don't get it. They go, this is terrible. Maybe across yeah. the whole board. But really it attracts the musicians. And, you know, maybe the professionals that this to it and gone, how has this even got made? How is... Yeah. What she did it without she did it without listening to the music. That's insane. You just think, well, what if I started doing that? And what I really, really like about this album is her approach to making the music is it's just reckless abandon without any constraints. You know, we put so much pressure on ourselves to follow some sort of self-imposed rule of way of making music. You know, we were talking earlier off camera, and we won't mention any, any names or anybody, but you know, things that take years to come out. You know, we know somebody who's trying to release music, which they've taken years and they're constant rewrites. And I'm going to redo this. I'm going to redo that. I'm going to redo this. Where do you end? You know, you need to have some way like this is a part of time. Let's move on. You can't just keep updating things and updating things. So, you know, 
you worry about the littlest things, you know, like, am I, am I sure that my Gibson Explorer plugged into, plugged into a mattress combo, you know, with a 2.5 pick with Ernie 11s on strings, you know, that's going to help make this song the best it can be. And I play this certain chord with the right frequencies and that's going to make sure the lyric works and this all congeals and it has to be on tape and it has to be this. You can just drive yourself nuts with it to the point where, what do you do? You haven't got anything. This is the point. This is exactly the point. Um, Chinese democracy. How long did it take Axel Rose to get that out? Wasn't it like 20 odd years? I think it was something like 96 to 2013. 15, okay. was it about 15, 16 years? So a long, long time. And he, he, it, it was known like this album's coming. And I don't hate the album. That's another episode altogether. I don't hate it. However, it's never going to live up to the hype. Never. It never can. And this is something else that so many people make the same mistake with. Everything needs to be perfect. Everything needs to be shiny. Everything needs to be this. Then just do it on computer. Get samples. Trigger stuff. Because if that's what you want, you as you, as you just put, Marv, you're going to drive yourself mad doing it. And, um, yeah, I... At that point, if I was in her position and somebody went, oh, what is this rubbish? And it was like another musician. I don't know. It would, to my mind, it would be like, at least I got people talking. At least I released something. And it, it, it like, as you said, it inspired people. A lot of people are arguing um, it to be like some sort of avant-garde masterpiece now. Um, that, to me, is just as important as um as feeling success instead of why is she trying to make music she's not a musician really kind of turns into like look what this person made you have to hear it as i've never heard an album like this in my life and that's what we're doing it's just it sticks out so much and even though i might not remember the songs note, note for note or word for word just the whole fact of that album i just remember i'm like that is mad that is crazy and She's that, moved on from the whole team mum stuff. Do you know what I mean? Like she's yeah. become more than that. That's that's the point. You don't necessarily remember the context, but you remember the experience. Exactly. Exactly. So why can we look at someone like Donald Glover, you know, who's a recent example of someone who doesn't put themselves into one category. He writes for TV and film. He acts in them. He performs comedies, successful musician. He's won Grammys. Um, his second album, Because the Internet, came with a 72-page screenplay and a short film that was meant to be used together. Not too far removed from Vera Abraham's 16 and Pregnant and the autobiographical book. Um, but all these things were successful and they certified him, you know, in his ventures. So in my mind, I don't need to, like, analyze. I don't need to look into them. They're successful. They're there. Oh, look, he's great. Redbone, all these things. Cool. Good. And you could argue that it's better because it sold more because it's made him a musician maybe he was a musician beforehand before all of this then he just got into different things and he's good at all of those so why not do that whereas someone like farah abraham i think just you know her objective in life was just to be famous and not for one specific thing you know if her teenage dream ended quite literally if she if that's what she's saying um perhaps she wanted to be an entrepreneur in many ventures and just focus on the one that took off and garnered the most money for it to fund a lifestyle. So yeah, now that possibly. she's, you know, she did, uh, I think she did a song called Blowing in 2015. There's a really awkward lip sync video of her performing at a club. But, 
you know, she's her own, she's her, her is her brand. That is her job. That's her, that's her profession. And now she's some sort of like TV socialite YouTuber. And it's like, okay, fair enough. Like you can't knock that. You really can't knock that. No, 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 no. People just want to earn a living and do what they want to do. And I mean, as long as she's not hurting anyone, I think she got, I think she got arrested for assault and a couple of other things. Um, but I mean, I don't put that as a mark on her at all. Um, she just dipped into music, did that for a bit at that time in her life. See you later. Much like, you know, I'll get to that point in a minute, actually remind me, but she's profited from her struggles. That's a positive thing. Uh, music was just one of those things available to her. And the album is honest and true. This is what always attracts me to music. It's real life. You can correlate those facts and it has emotion and feeling to it. And it's like, even if it's in a really weird way of showing that emotion and feeling, you know, through auto-tune and the music that sometimes is just so contrasting, um, that is so attractive to me to go listen to that. And I want to listen to it again because it's not shocking yeah. because I'm there like, this is really offensive to my ears or whatnot. It does make you just want to kind of get into it more and then for it suddenly to click, you know? Definitely, um, definitely. You know what, Mez? Don't worry about your point, because I want to know about your album, or I want to know about your person that you're doing, Mez. You go okay. for it, kid. I'm jumping in on the lad. So um, this week, uh, I kind of thought about it, and there is endless, I mean endless, things to do uh, when it comes to this subject. There really is. There's so many people, as you were saying, Marv, um, sort of strings to your bow, throwing a lot of shit at the wall and seeing what sticks and stuff like that, which I really respect as a process. Well, if that didn't work, let's try that. Let's try that. Let's do, you know what I mean? I'm going to make it one way or another. And I respect that. I really do. Um, so I, it wasn't really a conscious decision. It was more of a, I know this person did some music and I appreciate their acting skills. So, based on that, if you listen to last week's or the week before's podcast, you will know that I chose Eddie Murphy uh, to have a look at. Now, there's going to be a point of contention between me and you, Marv, because you say there's three. I could only find two. Oh, however, I find three. I was going to say, however, uh, on reflection and research with my notes, there is definitely three musical albums that is unfortunately i didn't listen to the latest one which i do believe was released in 1992 however i feel like i have got the glory years down in a nutshell now if you don't know who eddie murphy is you've probably been living on a rock for the last 50 years um very talented comedian actor um he was a comedian before anything else. He had his lucky break on Saturday Night Live, I do believe. Uh, he had a little segment um, which is quoted to have uh, revitalized the show at that time. He was really, really fresh. Um, apparently, I see, this is something I should have done but didn't. I never listened to any of his comedy albums uh, because I wanted, to, I wanted to focus specifically on the music. Uh, I already had a preconceived notion of how I feel about Eddie Murphy. You know, uh, growing up, 
I used to watch um, Beverly Hills Cop loads so much. Oh my god, my mum must have been sick to the back teeth of those films. But um, I love them, and I still do. I still do, and it's not just a um, a nostalgic thing. I very much believe they're great films. I know you've seen them, but you don't really remember a lot of it, do you? I don't. I, I think they deserve a rewatch. Oh, they really do, mate. There's some real, real funny moments, and there's some real quotable moments. Look, man, I ain't gonna fall for no banana in my tailpipe. <laughs> it's good stuff, mate. It's good stuff. Um, there is another quote I want to say, but I cannot. Well, so, don't uh, say it then. No, I won't. So yeah, I mean, I'm not forgetting. Shrek. Um, yes, I enjoyed Shrek growing up very much. Very, very much. Uh, there's a very good YouTube video called Shrek is Love, Shrek is Life. Go and watch it. It's a follow-on from the story of the films. It's very good. Your discretion is advised. Not at all. It's, it's completely fine. Um, so, yeah. Eddie Murphy is pretty well known. I'd say he's probably very, very, very famous at this point. Uh, the two albums I listened to were How Could It Be in 1985 that was released and So Happy, which was released four years after the fact. So I've never ever listened to any of his music before. Um, on the first listen, my preferred album was definitely How Could It Be? Um, I don't know. It just seems to have so much more variance. There's a lot more interesting things going on musically. That's not to say So Happy is bad, because it's not. Um, he is also well known for um, Boogie in Your Butt. Have you heard that, Marv? Boogie in Your Butt? No. Bo- Boogie in Your Butt. Uh, this was an earlier tune where he's basically singing about putting various things other than Boogie in Your Butt. There are a lot of lot of things. Uh, there's an ending of a verse chorus section where he he sings this line and he accents it, put me in your butt. And I was roaring. Absolutely roaring. It ruined me. So, um, I've got a little, little factoid for you here. You're going to enjoy right. this? Party all the time, which is from How Could It Be? Marv, tell me it's a banger. It's an absolute stone-cold classic. It's the, my favourite tune of Eddie Murphy's. Right, isn't it? So good. It was featured on the album, as I said, uh, which included a minor follow-up R&B hit in the title track, a duet with vocalist Crystal Blake. Now, the track was written by Rusty Hamilton and produced by Aquil Fudge. Now, are you aware of that name, Marv? Aquil Fudge. Rings a bell. You'll be forgiven if you don't. But it is Stevie Wonder's cousin. Wow. Um, after after a brief falling out with Rick James. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it, so, Eddie Murphy fell out with Rick James, you mean? I, yes, I believe so. Oh, no, that could be Aquil Fudge. It said Rick James. If, if I can say Rick James, I'm saying it. So you like party all the time, yeah? I do, I do. You think that um, standalone, good tune, yeah? 
Wow, in 2004, VH1 and Blender, and Blender, voted Party All The Time number seven among the 50 worst songs of all time. Absolutely not. What are they playing at? What no. are they playing? No. That's ridiculous, isn't it? That's ridiculous. Um, so I didn't look up any reviews as such. I, uh, I had a few sort of lookabouts and stuff like that. Um, I th- with something like this, I feel like it's definitely more opinion-based from us two. Um, because as much as reviews are cool, I hate critics, and all of you should go away. Uh, so that is the reason why I didn't really look at any reviews. Um, oh, apparently the album How Could It Be was produced by Rick James as well. That makes sense. You can you can hear. I think Rick James might be on a couple of songs because you can. Yes. For me, I, I could he hear. I could hear backing vocals, which sounded very much like his vocal inflections. Yes. So, uh, we have the track listed. Now the title track. Do I? I love that tune. I love that tune. I think it's great. Um, it's very dated. Very, very dated. A very dated sound. Uh, to put a fine point to it, they sound so 80s. If someone asked me to play an album that sound defines a decade, how could it be would be my first choice. In fact, the whole album sounds like songs from Beverly Hills Cop. It really does sound like that they could have been in that film, you know? Um, something else I noticed, and now that I'm thinking about it, it, it definitely on Do I, uh, which is all about a song where he's just like, do I love you? Yes, I do. And I like that. Straight to the point. I don't know if you heard this, Marv. There are points where he's singing. He's doing like a, not an, not an ad lib, but like a, a an extra lead line in the chorus. And you can hear he's not a pro singer. You can hear it. Yeah. It's there because it's like a do ah! You know what I mean? That's like he's, he's really pushing for that note, but he's still singing in tune. There's nothing wrong with the note. I like that. I think that adds to the overall sound. I think there's a charm to be had from that. Definitely. Yeah, of course. Of course. Definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we've got an interesting group of writers here. An interesting group of writers. So this is, uh, as I said, the first album. And let me just sort this out. First of all, before I go any further, all music gave it a professional rating. Would you hazard a guess as to what they gave it? What uh, system do they use and what's it out of? Uh, it's like a five stars. Uh, there's no real system. I reckon maybe... Two and a half? You've smashed that. Two and a half. Don't love that, but, you know. So, we've got interest, an interesting list here. The song Do I was written by Stevie Wonder. Yeah. Um, which I can kind of hear, actually. Now it makes so much sense. Yeah. C-O-N, Confused. That was written by Eddie Murphy. Uh, How Could It Be, featuring Crystal Blake, was written by Frank Hamilton, a name that's not really ringing a bell with me at the moment. Uh, Rick James and Eddie Murphy. I Wish I Could Tell You When is David 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 Allen Jones and Eddie Murphy. Uh, Party All the Time, 
features Rick James. I don't know if you know that. And it's also co-written by Rick James and another another guy, Kevin Johnston. I, me, us, we, Eddie Murphy. My God is colorblind, Eddie Murphy. And finally, everything's coming up roses, Stevie Wonder. Wow. So he's not done a whole lot of writing on this, but this is something that confuses me, right? Stevie Wonder's writing tunes on this album. Now, if Stevie walked in to my room right now and said, James, put that mic down. I'm going to write you some songs for your album, son. I'd be like, I'm done. I'm set. Sweet. <laughs> yeah, it, this album's getting terrible reviews. Like, I, I don't understand. Because it's a comedian trying to do music. Yeah. That's got to be what it, uh, what it is, hasn't it? And there is, there is a, a, a lot of personnel on this album, like to the point where I am not going to read them all out because we'll be here all day. Oh, Stevie Wonder also plays harmonica, as if that's a shock to anyone. Uh, the peak position it charted was 26 on US Billboard Top Current and US Billboard 200. 26 on both. Uh, US Billboard Top R&B and Hip Hop Albums, it peaked at 17. So, I mean, it's not doing... Uh, uh, amazingly, it's not like the best album of all time. But it's doing all right. Like, you must have made some money from it. It went yeah. gold in the US, sold 500,000 units. So, again, it's not a mega seller, but it's it. Like, he definitely saw some money from that. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think I actually only told you to listen to How Could It Be, didn't I? Well, I listened to How Could It Be and The Happy One. Oh, so happy, yeah. So happy, yeah. yeah. yeah I listened to both of those. Which again, I think we already we've already sort of pre-agreed that it's it's got some bangers on it. I don't think it's as good as how could it be, personally. Well, me personally, yeah. But I still think it's good. I still think it's worth a listen, definitely. Um, four years after, so that's a long gap. He's made an album of of music, put it out sold a bit and gone yeah another in four years um so his his second studio album he's on columbia by the way at this point wow big big produced by larry blackmon and niall rogers yeah a dream team big names it was not a critical or a commercial success, but it still managed to reach number 70 on the Billboard 200 and number 22 on the top R&B and hip-hop albums. So it's still, like, obviously, the Billboard 270, I feel like, it's quite low, but it's still being listened to. It's still being bought. Still 20... in the chart, yeah. Yeah, exactly. 22 top R&B and hip-hop albums. That's making money. That's making money, I'm telling you now. Um, You've got two singles on there. Put Your Mouth On Me, which we both already agreed. Banger. Um, and that made it to number two on the hot R&B hip-hop singles and tracks. Until The Money's Gone made it to number 75. <laughs> uh, so all I could put down to that is something big must have been released at that time. Yeah. Because I, I think they're both good bangers. You know what I mean? I think they're great. So we have some of the same personnel 
with Nile Rogers, of course. We've still got David Allen Jones. Um, Eddie Murphy is still writing bits, but his name's cropping up a lot more on this album. Um, but it's definitely more sort of co-writing credits, more so than anything else. Um, but does that mean, seeing as the first album he released, um, he like wrote like two or three songs on his own, does that mean that when Eddie Murphy writes on his own, he writes better? Or does that simply mean that these songs weren't, maybe there was a marketing issue, maybe something huge came out, because that's something else we should factor in. What was what else was released around this time? Um, which I think you already do. I think that's a that's a detail I should add in really. Um, but that's that's what that says to me about that. Um, where is it? Put your mouth on me. Made it to number two. Till the money's gone. Made it to seventy five. I think the most likely thing there is something huge was released around that time that just went poof and knocked it off the top spot like immediately. Yeah. Um. Honestly, I couldn't find a huge amount about this album. Um, there are way more producers on this album. Like, way more producers. Um, you've got Walter Afanasif, David Allen Jones, Carmen Rizzo, Eddie Murphy, Noel Rogers, Narada Michael Walden, you know what I mean? Already, there's more people in the studio with Eddie Murphy, and I've not even got to engineers, assistant wow. and second engineers, mixing, <clears throat> executive producers, you know what I mean? And I'm not going to, because that's long. <laughs> Randy Jackson plays bass on it. Amazing. Um, we also have, I did see another name. Where was the other name? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Uh, Noel Rogers performed backing vocals on it as well, which is quite interesting, actually. I wasn't aware he was a singing guy, but there you go. Uh, I can't find it, so I think I was uh, kidding myself there. But, um, yeah, quite frankly, I'm a fan of both, and I'd buy them. I like them. They're very 80s. They're very dated, as I've already mentioned. They're very much, if you've if you've seen Beverly Hills Cop, so... There's two types of track that tends to be on Beverly Hills Cop. You've got the 80s rock track, like um, The Heat Is On Marv. The heat is on. Da -da, da -da, da -da. That's kind of the Kenny Loggins rock, I like to call it, because it sounds like Kenny Loggins. Um, that sort of deal. And then we've got the like real synthy, big drum sound, really compressed, that like pop sound but it's it's still great um yeah i feel like all of the songs could be put in that thing of really crisp really well produced pop and they're easy to listen to and like i said there are points there's there's a few unusual chord changes in there that catches the attention like nothing like super super jazzy but there's stuff in there where i'm like oh wow I wouldn't have expected that, you know? I would have expected it to be really straight, really, really sort of um, consumer-friendly. So in actual fact, in my opinion, I think, um, again, I think Eddie did himself a service because it's not just straight, middle-of-the-road, um, bubblegum, poppy nonsense. There is some interesting things going on in these songs. 
And if I was in his position, I would be happy to take a knock in sales if it meant that I wasn't just, it wasn't just like, oh, it's that guy from Beverly Hills Cop. And he's just there going, different directions for different needs. Did you have any comments on the songs that you were listening to tomorrow? If I want to hear what you got to say, kiddo. So I'll go through my notes and I'll come from some other, other um, observations I've made about maybe why this didn't sell as well or what the kind of connotations are there. So it's clear his main influences are Prince, Stevie Wonder, and Michael Jackson throughout. Huge. Huge. Which now yeah. I know that Stevie Wonder is kind of producing and writing the songs. It makes a lot of sense. Can also hear it in his vocal delivery. Yes, definitely. Um, Put your mouth on me is very, very Prince influence, and I noticed on the intro, "Pretty Please" is pretty much a straight rip of Raspberry Beret. It really is, yeah. Like I was almost expecting a cover of Raspberry Beret the second one, two, three, four, but it didn't happen. Till the money's gone, you know, great. A lot more ballady and family friendly than I was expecting. So obviously, yes. he done Delirious and Raw. I think those two infamous specials comedy specials um and this was way before his like family friendly period of like nutty professor on daddy daycare and mulan and dr doolittle and, yeah. yeah yeah so like it was weird to hear this like weird sensitive side of him where he's about love and all these things rather than cracking up but yeah when i heard till the money's gone i was like right that's very comedic so i was like what's yeah. happening is the comedian eddie murphy's creeping into this song here and it instantly went, oh, yeah, he's a comedian. Oh, yeah. And I think the main thing is, like, you know, it's produced very, very well. It's very, very slick. It had a budget. It was on a major label. You know, it gave the all-star, five-star treatment uh, more so than what maybe actual musicians got uh, on their recording budgets and things. But because it was so derivative of those three artists and 80s music in general, I guess then it could be quite forgettable and you're not, it's not having any Eddie Murphy character, you know, you're just sounding like these other people. So maybe the fact that party all the time, you know, might've done well. And like you said, that other song got to like number two and cracked the top 20 and things like that. And then suddenly 76, I think it just comes across maybe that people just think this is just a novelty thing. This is a one-off. He's not taking it seriously. Then he goes back to SNL and specials. And then, you know, four years go by. He's like, oh, I could probably make another one. I've got the money. Whatever, we'll do that. So I think then it comes across as like a, is this guy genuine? Is this guy an actual musician? Does he want to do this seriously? Should he be doing comedy and music? Because I think of when people comedians that do music it's usually in their act and i think eddie murphy had uh, musical bits in his act yeah, like he, lee he evans did, and yeah. things like that in it they're funny songs they're funny songs they make you laugh they're really all it is is your music and musical thing in in for the comedy whereas this was a completely separate thing so maybe it's very hard to it's very hard to separate separate and see him as two things eddie murphy the artist eddie murphy the comedian look at bruce willis He's done a lot of blues, rock albums, and they usually get derided for being very corny and just, he's just bored. He just wants something to do. Like, this is so, what? look at his ego that he just thinks he can waltz in and make an album. It's like, well, 
maybe he did maybe he liked music and you know he can play and he can sing and but you just want him to be the guy and die hard yeah you know like i think i think that's what's kind of happened because he was so successful eddie murphy's a comedian and then he's gone i'm not going to go do this by the way but like he's then just putting everything up there with it you compare it to the favorite abraham thing farrah abraham that you know she is low on the celebrity rung celebrity ladder she's just a kind of z-list tv personality that was in a reality show and then she's made a record and people have gone this is crazy this is weird that's pushed her up to this level yes in infamy or just you know sure sheer like what is this whereas eddie murphy had already found huge success so it's almost like well why do you want to do something else i think that's how i could explain it and why the numbers were what they were People weren't going to go, I'm going to follow. Like my favorite, my favorite musical artist is Eddie Murphy. My favorite album is these two albums. I don't think that's the case. No, no. And I, I, I completely agree with you. It's, um, yeah. And I'm really glad you brought up Lee Evans, actually. Um, I was watching something years ago with my mum. And it was, I say something, it was, it was a Lee Evans performance. And right at the end, he did a kind of funny act where, he was pulling out a piano and then the piano was going all around. It was a bit of a rip of um, Rowan Atkinson did something similar in the 90s and yeah. the 80s. Um, but it was very, very funny because he's a very, very funny guy. You know, Lee Evans, he's fantastic. Um, and then he sat down at the piano and he gave a very, very short speech um, talking about how he started off as a musician Um and how he want he had all these hopes and dreams and but he found he can make it work better with comedy so that's the reason why he is where he is and he played a tune and throughout my life whenever that clips come come around or it's been on tv or something like that i've gone oh that's all right isn't it and never invested any more time in trying to find out if he's ever um released an album released more songs even just released one song i've never done that and that is because my brain has gone comedian pigeonholed and that's not me saying comedians can't play music that's not me saying comedians should stay as comedians and nothing else but that is what the human brain does it goes oh they do that okay um yeah i think you might be right because it's kind of a do we take this guy seriously is he actually because there's a, a YouTube guy that I enjoyed listening to when I was growing up, a guy called John Lajoie, a Canadian singer. He studied at, uh, it might have been Berkeley, I'm not entirely sure. He studied at a very prestigious American college, uh, music specifically. And he was writing songs. He's a very, very gifted musician. Um, but no one cared. In his own words, no one cared. So I thought, I'm going to make something funny. If people laugh, people remember. And he became very, very popular. Very, very popular. Um, but again, my brain has pigeonholed him saying, that's funny music, you know? I'm not going to take that to, I'm not going to go to a dinner party. And someone goes, James, you're a musician. Give me some good music. And I'm not going to go, oh, Jean Lajoie. Inspiring. Because it's comedy. It's like the reason why I still haven't listened to Weird Al Yankovic or Yankovic, however you pronounce it. Yankovic, yeah, you're right. 
I'm sure he's an incredible musician. But all this time, my brain's gone, hey, it's parody. It's parody music. You know, if I want to listen to something I'll enjoy, I know what I'll enjoy. And I, you know, you could, I, I could be missing out on something I'd really, really enjoy um, because I've gone parody music, comedy. I like my, I don't necessarily like my music to be serious. That's the wrong way of saying it. But I like, okay, here's something I never thought I'd say. Rob Chapman once said that we should, as musicians, take our craft seriously. Don't take yourself seriously. We're not accountants, but yeah. take your craft seriously. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about writing a song about poo and bums and ha ha ha. If you, if you want to do that and make it a number one smash fine. hit, mate, I think you could yeah, do that. I think I could, to be honest. Um, yeah, I don't know, mate. It's all very convoluted and opinionated. And in actual fact, we're, we're screwed anyway because you can't criticize art. And music is art because art is expression, and that's what music does. It expresses. Therefore, <laughs> this is pointless. Everything's pointless. And yeah, but no, I really recommend both. I say both. We'll say all three. I really recommend all three Eddie Murphy albums. Uh, if the third one is anything like the first two, I would again recommend it without even listening to it, because regardless of how 80s it is, how you want to criticize it, how you're like, Eddie Murphy, no. Listen to it, because it's very interesting. It's the same, not to the same extent, but it's a very similar deal to Farah, Farah? Farah Abraham. Abraham, yeah. Yeah, it's very similar, very similar sort of deal in terms of like, oh, okay then. But yeah, also Bruce Willis doing blues and hard rock wasn't aware of that go look it up kid go look it up i will um yeah it also makes you think as well that you know like you said you're just thinking okay weird al yankovic he's a comedian that's it you just think he's a comedian so you think then the music you think him doing musical stuff then i mean that is that is his thing but you see it as less you see it as lesser he's not that because yeah. he's such a good comedian um it also then makes you think about this Eddie Murphy thing that what if he just wrote for other artists and then he didn't put it out as himself? Would it get more respect? Because people would go, hey, is this new thing, new person I never heard of? That's great. And then you hear Eddie Murphy wrote that. I think he would have got maybe public perception. Maybe for me, I would respect that more. I'd be there like, that's more of an impressive feat. That I can't believe that Eddie Murphy did that. But then look at look at the, the album. I can't believe Stevie Wonder produced and wrote songs for that. That then Bad, impresses yeah. me. So just kind of, yeah. I think, again, we've got this. And we've just shown it like, you're just, it's, it's the JD from Scrubs. It's the Rachel from Friends effect. It's the Paul Ritter from Friday Night Dinner effect. You just, wherever you see the person in, you're just seeing, that's the guy from Beverly Hills Cop singing about love and women and things. And it kind of takes you away from what you're actually trying to listen to. Um, especially when I'd say the Eddie Murphy stuff is a lot more generic and of its time than Farrah Abraham's that yes. Okay. The dubstep influence of 2012 and those kind of songs of that era. Yeah. And it was some songs sounded dated for that time, but then I would say it transcends those kind of times. It, it keeps going, it keeps becoming relevant and because it's his own thing and it's weird 
um, amalgamated way of how it happened. You know, like, yes. And the fact that she wasn't as famous as Eddie Murphy. So you could almost even equate to the fact of however famous you are versus the new thing you're going to do that really does tip the scales. So it's like your thing of throwing shit at the wall and see what sticks. Do that as early as you can into whatever careers you're trying to do, then see what sticks, then just go for that and keep everything as a hobby. I have no idea, but yeah. You know, if I was a pro, if I was a pro skateboarder tomorrow, that was a thing I wanted to do. Um, would I still do music? Who knows? Because you, because it's almost like a different life. Honestly, it's a different life, isn't it? Like this is what I was trying to say. So if you suddenly become a pro airsoft player, like, right, we're going to go around the world. It sounds silly, but like, there probably is a market for it. You're going to go around oh, the world. Oh, there is. You're yeah, going to yeah. compete. You're winning 10 grand contests, 20 grand here, but you still love playing music. How do you balance the two? This is the thing I, maybe you, know, you might want to be more known as being a musician, but then this thing is getting you famous and successful. People know who you are from that. But you're like, but I did the guitar music stuff first. People are going, what's a guy playing airsoft doing with, you know, playing music? So that, that's another question. We'll end on that one then. So what happened if you suddenly now next week became a famous airsoft player, but you want to release music still, how would you kind of handle those, those two things? Would you just, would you lean into the airsoft thing or would you kind of still try and live your life now as it is and just go, well, this is something that's making me money at the time. I think I definitely lean into the airsoft stuff because that doesn't mean I can't play music anymore. That just means some more of my time and resources are going to be put into playing airsoft. And it's that whole thing, isn't it? Where you get like um, a super good musician who will play with a really well-known artist, they'll get reputation and they'll get well-known. And then here's my album. Um, I think that's kind of what I gun for. That sort of, pardon the pun, that sort of, that sort of thing, you know? Yeah, yeah I'm, I'm world famous, Airsoft, da-da-da-da-da, here's my music. This is what I like to do. And it then would become a hobby because I'd be making money from being this big professional airsoft gunner, you know? Um, so, yeah, that's what I'd do. I think I think I'd keep it up. Um, but the time needed to earn stupendous amounts of money and receive amazing guns, uh, <laughs> that that would be spent, absolutely. And how, absolutely. Would, you, how would you feel if... Uh you did release an album. It's the album you're working on now. Let's say in between the time of you releasing it, you'd become a famous airsoft player. You release this album, but then people are going, this is awful because you're an airsoft player. I don't want to hear this because you're an airsoft player. How would you navigate around that? How would that make you, how would that make you feel? Um, quite honestly, until I'm there, I can't tell you. However, I feel like I would act in a manner that would make me feel like they didn't feel like they were getting one up on me. So I wouldn't do the classic celebrity thing of, oh, shut up, I just do what I love, go away, leave Brittany alone. I wouldn't do that. I'd just be like, oh, okay, if it's not your thing, don't listen to it. It's fine. I'm fine with that. And then people will find something to pick apart in that because that's what people are like. Um, yeah, I'd just be like, well, move on with your life. 
I am. So, oh, look, another free airsoft gun. How much was that? £6,000. I'll have that. Thank you very much. What's that? Another check in the post. 20000 Yeah, go on. Should we do another album? Yeah, yeah. I think the bottom line, Marv, is yes, I wouldn't know unless I was in that situation. But also, who cares? I'm a rich airsoft player, baby. <laughs> <laughs> That's the end of that episode. Very, very good. Very, very good. That's the podcast it. this week. I enjoyed it. Uh, you did. I did too. Well, I did. I did more. So shut up. Fair enough. Yeah. Exactly. Enough. 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 It, he's got the machine there. You got the machine with all the little buttons on it that works. I. I don't know. Yes. 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 Next week. Next week. Next week we are going to do another episode two in our because it series. Oh, we're yes. going to do. Because it's Limp Biscuit. Oh, yes. I love Limp Biscuit. When I was younger, love Limp Biscuit. Merritt, I don't know if he loves Limp Biscuit. Don't know if he was around on that era, but we are going to be listening to all of their albums and have a big old chat about that. So get your Limp Biscuit listening in, all the way up to Gold Cobra. And yeah, that's going to be in. <laughs> One mighty fan time. So yes, thank mighty you to fan. our fan. Well, thank you to our new patrons, Henry Wheeler and Dan Murphy. Thank you to all of our remaining patrons doing a fine job uh, commenting, telling us what's what, enjoying the episodes, uh, loving the new uh, what do you call it? Patreon exclusive videos. We've also got um, we did one about vinyls, and one of our patrons, Oshin, has done his own video about his vinyl collection. So that's going to be up soon. Again, yes. if, you want, if you want to join him, Fifty Ways Podcast Patreon, three pound a month for the basic tier. You get all the uh, you get this unedited episode a day early, and you know show notes, maybe some little photos, maybe whatever, a little bit of conversation, a little more action, please. That's a joke, and. We've got new tiers coming up, so we're going to organize that. We've got merch, actually sample merch that we're going to look at and go, is this all right? Yeah, this is all right. So it's oh, happening. Yes. All the weeks that I said it was going to happen about 18 years ago, it's actually happening. So It's happening, hyped. boys. It's happening, boys and girls and anyone else. It's happening. <laughs> we're rocking. We're rolling. We're steamrolling. <laughs> Let's steamroll out of this place, eh, kid? Woo! Baby, 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 baby.